0: This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now as a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters. We're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. There's no other way to say it. I absolutely fell in love with Andrew Day our June cover star, and you should too if you haven't already. I'd been following Andra for a while, and I watched her in the United States versus Billie Holiday, but it was an interview that she recently did that I was completely compelled by. There is so much depth to the multi-hyphenate talent that is Andra Day, and so I was truly excited to be able to speak to her about her life, her creativity, and her recent work in music and film. I was excited to really get into it, and that we did. She's candid, soulful, spiritual and smart, she's funny and light and deep all at once. Listening to her talk about creativity and the creative process is inspiring. And on this podcast, the singer-songwriter, one-time dancer, who recently put her talents to use for a closing scene waltz and now actress talks all about her experience on the Lee Daniels film and the role that landed her a Golden Globe as well as a nomination for her original song Tigress and Tweed, which she tells us is a favorite song she's written to date. For her absolutely jaw-dropping, in the best way, acting and singing performances, she also gained Oscar and Critics' Choice nominations, and just two days ago, she won a BET award for Best Actress. Andra talks finding her voice, and you can catch her singing a line or two, the musicians she deems the foundation of music who have inspired her, as well as those she's worked with in recent years on songs like Pearl Cadillac and Phone Dies," And we talk about the astounding influence of what's come to be her anthem, Rise Up, We talk at great length about being Billie Holiday and the certain parts of her that she does not want to let go of and how she's had to accept that aspects of her will never go away. We talk her relationship with Lee Daniels, whom she calls a collaborative partner, spirit, brother and family member, and the preordained way in which she took on her role in his film. Of course, we get into Billie's fashion icon style. And in a particularly honest moment, she talks about being attracted to her co-stars and working through that. Andra shares the scoop on the role she's working on next with Lee, a project she tells us is different for him. And on the personal side, we talk the relationship she's currently in, relationships at large, and she dispels that rumor about Brad Pitt. We talk about what's up next for Andra in music, being happy and her family. I'm honored to share this really close look into an artist during a supremely pivotal moment in her career. I told Andra that I cried after re-watching the United States versus Billie Holiday after meeting her on our cover shoot and connecting Andra the person to what I viewed on screen because it was profound. And this interview might give you a taste why. Here's Andra Day. Oh,
1: hi. Yes. Hi, how are you? Hi, Andra. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you
0: too. What's to behind you. you? It's so beautiful. Oh,
1: yes. Wow. It's floral wallpaper. I actually love it so much. (laughs) You should see my place, which is also our
0: offices. There's wallpaper everywhere. I love wallpaper so me much. Me too. I use no restraint. I was like, let me just yeah. see wallpaper everywhere.
1: And it's so comfortable. I don't know. It just it's makes cozy. Room, uh cozy and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's true. really cozy. Let me see what jewelry we got today. Yup. Cause you always got some popping jewelry. Those are so, beautiful. There's this little Mexican jewelry
0: store in New York. Mm-hmm. It's been there for years. It's like a hole mm-hmm. in the wall on second street
1: and it's been mm-hmm. on my
0: mind. I'm like, I need to go back to that place and get some earrings. And yeah, the woman, there is so sweet, and I was like, The bigger, the better. I was like, Anything that's big, that's big. me too. <laughs> I'm like, Whatever statement, just get it, and I'll buy it. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's um, me
1: too. I'm like, Nope, huge earrings. What well, people think our- are, <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Speaking of I which, like- you- Andrea, you wore a really good pair of earrings in the Billy
1: Holiday movie. Remember those statement mm. earrings? Oh, yeah, the African head one, the, the, the African Af- head one. So those were real. She actually used to wear those all the time. Those were her favorite pair of earrings. She had a couple pieces, her coat, her earrings and a pair of shoes and a pair of glasses that she loved and she would wear all the time. But those African women. So I went and actually found those before we even went shooting. And then they were able to find a few pairs on set as well, too. But I couldn't find the earrings at first. I could only find they were uh, collar pins, you know, so I had them turned into earrings. And then I finally found a pair of the earrings. So no, they're the same exact design and everything, yeah.
0: That's incredible. I saw those earrings. I was like, I know there's a story to these earrings, they're yeah.
1: amazing. Where are those earrings now? Those earrings are with costume. And then my earrings are actually in, I have the storage unit and I have Billy Holiday safe things in there. So <laughs> I don't want them just out, I don't know, getting messed up or yeah. <laughs> you
0: have to keep those safe. Those oh, absolutely. Earrings. Yeah. Which glasses were her glasses? There were some really, Oh, there, there was were like three more,
1: or four they, pairs of glasses that were amazing. Yeah, they had a couple, but the ones in particular were these ones that we actually had. Paolo Nieto, who was just brilliant had a replica of the glasses made. They're like these huge, dramatic cat eye glasses with sort of diamond encrusted glasses. And it just, it's so, it just so seems like something you would see right now, <laughs> but like back then. So she was so innovative with her style. You know, that was one of yep. my favorite things yeah. about her.
0: Yeah. Those were great glasses. I remember those mm-hmm. too.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: speaking of fashion, we had such a good shoot the other day. I loved how yes. everything came together. Everything mm-hmm. just came together. You know, I love mm-hmm. when that happens. And I rewatched United States versus Billie Holiday after meeting you, of course, on our shoot day. Mm -hmm. And I cried. There was something about connecting this real person I now know to the person on the screen and your powerful performances, both acting and musical, that made what I had watched a profound experience. I'm sure you've heard that from a lot of people. After just meeting you and seeing you and then watching the film again,
1: it was just Mm -hmm. profound. And I think most people, it's like, well, you went back and you watched it again, which is amazing. And we've had a chance to speak, you know what I mean? So I don't know. Everyone's experience with that, but I do know that people have told me that it does have an effect seeing the movie and then seeing me. Maybe it's just the difference in me or something. Or I mean, maybe that combined with just her spirit. I think the parts of her that still linger, how much I really, really do love her. I don't know what it is. You know, I think it's just I think in general, if you, you know, we we put a lot, not just myself, but lee everybody. We put all of ourselves, you know, into this. Into this film. So I think anytime you encounter people who do that, you know, even on set, how much you cared about all the details about what we're, you know, I think that has an effect on people, you know, to see how much they care about or pour into what it is that they're doing. So maybe that's the effect. Or <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's um not though, although my castmates, it was a different story for them. I remember Natasha telling me, she's like, I just feel weird talking to you right now. I just never heard your natural voice and now listening to it sounds weird. <laughs> So, and same thing with her. I mean, we hung out as, you know, as to and Billy. So it was just different to know everybody outside of the movie, you know?
0: Yes. And you told the story that Lee Daniels really had to convince you to take the role, right? Because you were (laughs) concerned about doing it justice. Obviously you were, but I wonder, did you dream of being a part of this kind of a piece of art as a kid? You grew up performing and you went to a performing arts school. Did you ever, Know or dream or hope for something like both your role and also the acclaim that it's garnered. You won a mm. Golden Globe for your performance, and you were nominated for your song, and you were nominated mm-hmm. for an Oscar and also a Critics' yeah. Choice. Yeah. Did you ever dream this up, this kind of a scenario?
1: <laughs> you're right, you're right. That's yeah, that's a funny question. I, I, you know, so first of all, Lee also had to be convinced himself. That's the funny part about us doing this movie together is we both had to just walk out, really step out on faith. And I really believe God did that. You know what I mean? Like maybe it was one of those things that was sort of reordained, you know, from a while ago, but we both, because he didn't want to use me either. So we both kind of, and then once we were in it and he saw the tape, he was really like, okay, no, I really do want you to do it. And I was still a little hesitant because I just was like, oh, I can do one little thing, but can I do a whole movie? You know, that's a whole different beast you know and I yeah I was just really doubting like if it was possible you know or that I could do it but you know I think did I dream it up I mean, I think when I was young wanting to be in entertainment more on the music side you know I always wanted things to go well and I love the way you put it because most people ask me did you dream of being an actor did you dream of but you put it did you dream of being a part of something this great and I think that's a really great way to look at an authentic way yes and that's a that's a yes did I always dream of being an actor do no, wanting to be in entertainment, do music and all that, of course, but to be always dreamed of being a part of something great, whether it's in music, whether it's in movies, whether it's in fine arts, you know, sculpting, paint, whatever, just something that is a part of, that is great, that is inspiring. To me, that first honors God, that honors and uplifts people. I mean, I think every artist, anybody who's anybody, has dreams and a desire to be a part of something that is great and impactful so that's a great great way to frame that question thank you
0: <laughs> a beautiful piece of art a piece of art that will live on forever which and is what you. great art does right mm-hmm. it continues yes. to inspire yeah take me back a bit because you were early influenced by singers like billy and ella yeah, yeah. and your stage name is andrew day is even influenced by billy where did yeah. the influence of these singers specifically
1: come from Mm. these singers specifically, actually, and I'm glad you said that. You, I, you, I love the way you frame these questions. It's very, very yeah. good. Cause you're right. Cause it is of a different, you know, I was inspired by the Whitney's and the Aretha's and of course. the, the Billies and the, though they're all of the same lineage, they're of a different ilk, I guess, maybe. But um, uh, uh, yeah, the, the jazz singers, really the great jazz singers of, of our time uh, that specifically came from in school. I mean, I listened to them. I heard them all the time cause they were always played, but I wasn't really made familiar until I went to a performing arts school in San Diego. And my musical theater instructor, Bill Doyle, introduced me really when I was asking about singers to study. He was like, OK, listen to Billie Holiday and Janis Joplin. I totally forgot. he That's who introduced me to Janis Joplin. Too. But he said these singers, they have a way of not going out to the audience, but requiring the audience to kind of come into the space of where they are. And he's like, that's what you always reminded me of. He actually just explained that to me not too long ago, but that's why it was those two singers. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And so, yeah, that started my love. I heard a song called Sugar by Billie Holiday. Sugar, I call my baby sugar. She's I like the song. He's confectionery, sugar. Yeah, I still love that song. It's it's the bubblier side of her. And then the other one I heard was The Polar Opposite, which is Strange Fruit, you know, (laughs) which to me both were actually very uplifting songs. But it was actually when I first heard it it was haunting because I just remember thinking, just feeling bad for her. Like, I want to do whatever this woman's singing about. She's hurt. and She needs help. You know, so that introduction helped me to really eventually own my own voice. And then it introduced me to this just great jazz music ella Fitzgerald, you know Sarah Vaughan, Carmen McRae, on down to Nina Simone's, and to the you know then um, the great musicians, you know like the um, Monk, you know, and 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 Bird, and Mingus, and and um, Coltrane, and Miles Davis, obviously, also Charlie Christian, you know, Wes Montgomery, all the great jazz guitar players, and you know, this just amazing musicians. I think it just opened me up to that whole other way. really a foundational part of music you know
0: Mm -hmm. tell me about working with visionary director and writer producer lee daniels we were just talking about him what do you think people would be surprised to know about him andra
1: what do i think well you know it's so interesting because i don't have any sort of preconceived or i didn't go into this any preconceived ideas about him as a director or even as a person You know, I didn't know that, you know, opinion about his work was split. I just knew that I loved whatever he made. You know, I was just like a kind of a fan. That's really what incentivized me to take the meeting in the first place. You know, it would be great to meet Lee. You know what I mean? I think he's really amazing. I think he's been a pioneer in Black art for a long, long time when nobody was there or supporting it. So I think the thing that people might be surprised to learn from him is just how actually how collaborative he is. You know what I mean? Like Lee can have a very specific vision when he walks in for something. He can also walk in and he really, really trusts his actors. And I realized him and his sister, Leah Leah Butler, they their casting ability is unfucking believable Like- the Casting there was is off the chain. Yeah, yeah, like I realized, and all of the actors realized that once we got to set, it was everybody came with all of their mechanisms and their tools and prepared to act and to do all this stuff. And Lee would be like, cut it in half. No, cut it in half. No, do nothing. And it wasn't until that when we realized, wait, are we terrible? Or is, you know, how is everything going? He cast Tyler James Williams as Lester Young. He saw him when he walked in. You know what I mean? He cast Trey as Jimmy. Like, he saw the characters as soon as they walked in. So we walked in as these people, apparently, to him, you know. I think he's, again, beautifully collaborative with his actors. He understands the spirit, you know, of what it is that he's doing, of everything he works on. And so I think... Again, his vision could be very specific or he could just say, I just, whatever it is you guys plan, I wanna see. You know what I mean? Show me what you planned, what you thought of. What do you think about this person? What do you think about their mental state? How do you feel? You know, it was really, really beautiful to see someone who understands the power Mm Obviously he has all of the genius on his own, but for him to really tap and to honor the power of just actors and collaboration is beautiful. It really actually, it made it like a cookout. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, that's what I on It was like for real, like just like right. a just, family cookout.
0: What is his perspective on fashion? Let's talk about Lee and fashion.
1: Yes, absolutely. So oh my God, are you right, kidding? Right. It was amazing. So between Lee Fisher and Paolo Nieu. Paolo's work was amazing. Oh, my God. When I tell you it was a Disneyland of fashion. Like it was just being able to play the, what they created was something that was, first of all, they just understood the spirit of who they were dealing with. And Lee was so amazing. Like there were moments that he was like, I want to just inject a tiny bit of almost camp into the fashion, but not too much. You know what I'm saying? Right. Not too much where it distracts you from the movie. He's so good about balance. And where is that fine line? And Paolo and Fisher, I mean, their instincts and the way they understand him and know him, it was beautiful. And the way they took time to understand and to know me and to collaborate with me even on some of the looks in her fashion. Cause I think they also knew that I was a big fan of hers. And so I think they also understood the spirit of who they were dealing with. You know, I think a lot of people who deal with period styling, obviously, except for my sister, Ruth Carter, she is like, a gangsta, too. Oh <laughs> so, my god, she
0: is but, uh, genius, no, genius, genius. Yeah,
1: but I think people who maybe don't work in this space and who would work in just sort of cataloging period fashion, so they just think this is what women wore in the 40s. But we weren't just talking about women who were working in the office or who were working at home, this was a global superstar, so she had all the latest stuff, so they were able to take and be very accurate about the period and then actually take it beyond because. You know, Billie Holiday was wearing cowl neck sweaters in the 40s, which really didn't become a thing until like the 70s. You know what I mean? Like, so 100%. You know,
0: he was yeah. wearing
1: just really, really innovative fashions. And they understood that and they injected that into the movie. They also put her in things that were really relatable and kind of throw and toss on. So the fashion had to be on and like hidden. You know what I mean? I want us to do a story on the fashion. And I can't even say it without shouting out Prada. You know what I mean? That Paolo worked tirelessly with. And they came in and made some of the most incre- I mean, one of my favorite gowns was one of the ones for the waltz at the end of the movie where she has all this beautiful Prada feather gown in this lavender ash purple color. And it was just stunning. These gowns were to where, you could just feel the craftsmanship. I mean, I got to give so much credit to Paolo who put that together. You
0: know, Prada is so great at that. What an incredible collaborator. I love that you bring up that last scene of the film. As the credits are starting to roll, there was this very, very special ending to the film where mm-hmm. the film wraps up and it's you mm-hmm. and Travante who plays Jimmy Fletcher, you're seemingly recreating a waltz scene from the film. And then yeah. you step out of your character and you reference the Prada dress yeah. that you're wearing. That
1: was That was all Lee. That line was Lee. (laughs) Lee was like, say something about Prada and then say they don't even make Prada back then. Oh, my God. We were dying laughing. We're like, wow. You know, post her passing, post her turning the page. And it's almost this idea that, you know, we almost want to end it on a happy ending. Maybe they did have a happy ending ultimately. You know what I'm saying? And this is them dancing in the cloud of witnesses as they've passed on. First of all, it was brilliant. I thought it was emotional too, because this idea that she really gave all of herself in is performing and kind of got her happy ending. I think also the fact that it was humor, because that's what Billy is. Also, that's what our people are. I think that especially marginalized people and Black people, people of color, humor is a huge, huge part of our communities. People will say gallows humor, but I don't think it's gallows humor. I think it's actually healing, you know what I mean? Healing humor and survival and, that's a huge part of how we get through. Like, how could you laugh when you're being lynched? How could you laugh when you're, we have to, we can't survive just sadness all the time. And laughter is a very healing, powerful gift, I believe from God. And so, you know, I think that scene really embodied that, you know what I mean? It was sort of taking the tragedy and making it a beautiful, beautiful story of triumph. I love that scene. And
0: I, said to myself I have to ask Andra about the backstory on that I did choreograph that dance by the way <laughs> it was really cute you fall in
1: love with the two of them as a couple yeah you just you're think, rooting I, for them I think because Susan Laurie Park's writing is incredible Lee's directing is amazing Trevante's acting is just so I think that combination I don't know anybody else who does internal nuance like Trevante I mean it was just so much that he gave to pull from and had he had not had that or I had I not had him I don't think the performance if any of the elements weren't there I don't think the performance would have been the same I think you fall in love with them because their relationship is not easy it is complex there's a black man that's trying to do what he believes is right there is a black woman that's trying to do what she believes is right and they come from different backgrounds but also same backgrounds and they both understand they're being used so there's just frustration you have with them there's empathy you have with them it's a fight you know what I means so I think that's what draws those two characters together and then the audience sort of into the complexities of that type of love at the time, you know?
0: You said you choreographed that waltz at the end. Was that something that you did on the fly or was it practiced?
1: We actually had one rehearsal together because Lee was on the fly and was sort of like, We need the waltz and did it. So I was like, I danced for a long time. I can choreograph a waltz, you know. And it was easy too because it wasn't supposed to be the perfect waltz. It was supposed to be like, you clunky. know, um, clunky. yeah, exactly. Real clunky, real like whatever, you know. And it's going to be clunky anyway because Trey's so damn big. It's like the gracefulness is we'll get as much as we can, but you know, he's a bigger dude. So it kind of came off exactly the way Lee wanted it. I choreographed it and I sent a, just a general waltz video to Trey, just to kind of look at and practice before we did, but it happened all in just a couple days. And so we had rehearsal videos. We rehearsed it and then videotaped it. And I sent it to Lee and all I get was a call from Lee dying, laughing. He was like, it's perfect. <laughs> it it's so good. perfect. I danced for a while, so it was
0: fun to do. You know what I mean? You did many things to step into your role and be convincing as Billie Holiday, including taking up smoking and drinking. And you also starved yourself. What made you have the will to take it that far? What thoughts were you having as you made that decision to go all in? Can you recall when you decided that this was what you were going to do?
1: Yeah, and just so people are clear, I mean, it wasn't necessarily the healthy way to do it. Yeah. You know, I would have grapes and nuts on set, you know, to give me the sugar and kind of just the energy, you know, that I would need. And then I would eat something like eggs and avocado or whatever. I would eat a chunk of stuff, and then I would go right without-
0: and healthy things. Right? Those are healthy. That's things. what I. That
1: was what my thing was. That's what I was trying to do. So I was like, all right, I know on the in between stuff, I'm gonna be hungry. You know what I mean? But I was like, as long as I'm fueling my body with good clean stuff. And then, sometimes, like I said, the fruit for sugar, or if I just really needed a hit of energy, then maybe I would just have some type of junk just to get myself junk energy. I guess the motivating thing to do that is two things for me as a person. My dad is like always like, you're either in it or you're not in life in general. That's just the practice. Also, I would say my heavenly father, there's a scripture that talks about do all things as if unto the Lord and not for men. Because I don't really ascribe to the idea that we are in competition with each other, right? We're all in a relationship with people at large, the world. And so there's a kind of a higher standard for me as doing things, you know, as I say, to try and honor God. And also just to be present. Her story deserved that. This idea that you could play Billie Holiday a healthy way is probably true. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I think fear was a huge motivating factor. I didn't want to be terrible. But this idea that's like this woman went through so much and still had so much joy in the midst of so it. I have to tap some of that, at least in order to really get into her skin, into her mind. And then also wanting to be there and be tapped in and to be believable for Lee, for my co-stars, for Tasha, for Tom Jones, for... Yohan for everybody who poured into me to be great, it was like, all right, you're here. Don't be shitty. Don't be terrible. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I think it was a combination of fear of wanting to honor God, wanting to be present for Lee and for everybody there, wanting to honor Billy's legacy. You know, it deserves, I think, that level of dedication. Did you find it difficult along the way to do all of that? Or were you channeling Billy at one point? Now, looking back, I definitely believe channeling her. But even in channeling her, I think we assumed it's ease, but if you're channeling her, there's a lot in her body that was happening. She was diagnosed with cirrhosis and among a host of other things. She was actually killed, honestly, but mm-hmm. she was diagnosed with that. That was the thing that purportedly claimed her life. So even in channeling her, there was challenge and it was definitely troubling and not much sleep or anything like that. So emotionally, it was really hard. I had to go to some places that I really hadn't been You know, that really, I believe I was just healed from, to be honest. (laughs) I had to pull them up again, you know what I mean, and sort of revisit certain things. But there's also a lot of healing in that, you know what I mean? I feel like I learned about how to overcome a lot of things by playing her and being even more authentic and really getting to the real intention behind a lot of things, because I think that helps us
0: in a lot of ways. How long did it take? before you felt physically healthy again?
1: And what did you do to get yourself back? (laughs) Technically, I'm still dealing with the physical health of things. My vocal cords still need uh, definitely recovery. (laughs) So um, we're still working through it. I just, you know, with time, it will... What will I say? I don't know if with time it will get back to what it was before, but with time it will be what it is supposed to be in this new season of my life, in this new chapter. That That's makes sense. right. Makes yeah, so I don't, sense. Yeah, I think I've gained some weight, which is good, <laughs> obviously. And mentally, my team is probably like, oh, you need a break. <laughs> I think mentally, I do still need a little bit of time to detox before. Jumping into another character that Lee and I are talking about working on. That's together. exciting. So, yeah, it's really, really exciting. I, can't I, I love about it. Can you? I no, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. But I, I will cool. tell you, it's going to be something different for him. Obviously, I've been in acting for ten minutes, so everything's new for me. <laughs> but I just love working with him. I love, love, love working with him. I am still scared, but I really just enjoy, found a collaborative partner, a spirit, a brother, a family member. Anyway, I'm still trying to detox some things. A lot of things have gone. So a prayer was a huge thing for me. My relationship with God, I don't think I would have been able to do it without that. So that's my spiritual grounding. That
0: was one of my questions for you. Emotionally, being a part of a project like the United States versus Billie Holiday and what has come after its release. And before in all the prep and during, as you sang your heart out and acted Mm -hmm. out heavy material, has it been difficult to shed this life-changing experience and move on?
1: It's obviously taken you a while, right? Yeah, it's definitely. I mean, we stopped officially filming in December 2019, but we were doing pickup scenes and ADR work all throughout 2020. And we didn't end that until I think November 2020. And then from there, it's right into press and promo and talking about it. It was longer. I realize now, wow, maybe I didn't have as much time to detox this as I thought I would have. I think a part of the challenge also was not wanting to. You know, there's certain parts that I don't want to let go of. Also, the other part of the challenge was accepting that there will be aspects of her that will not go away. When I think about that, it actually makes it more beautiful because I go, obviously God brought me, I believe, into this for a reason and not just to do a movie role or to impact people, but to be impacted myself. I think we forget about that. We want to go in and serve or experience something or we forget the internal, the spirit that changes as we do something. And so I finally got to a point where I realized this is just a part of who I am in this new season. This is a new season of my life. And I know that I felt the paradigm shift. And so of course, why would Billie Holiday not be a part of that? Why would our experience not be a part of that? Why would my director and the writer and the Susan Lori Parks, Johan Hari, my acting coach, all of these people are a part of that and this experiences. So I think accepting that made me go, oh, not only do I accept it, I love it and I appreciate it.
0: Just a minute ago, you were talking about how you're attached to this character. It reminds me of something that you had said in your Oprah interview that you said you enjoyed inhabiting Billy almost too much.
1: Yeah, What exactly did you mean by that? (laughs) Well, first of all, cigarettes. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm a free spirit anyway. There was a looseness to her even more that was like, whoa, that is a blessing. And in some ways was really healing, made me braver. And then in some ways I realized could be for my life, a toxic thing. You
0: know what I mean? You're an embracer of life. And with that comes an openness to being an embracer of sort of all things. It can be a slippery slope, right?
1: Yes. And that is a great way. You Listen, you're framing. You are something <laughs> else, nice, girl. I love it. <laughs> but it's exactly that you say, that it can be a slippery slope. And that, I think, has everything to do with balance. You know, I always think of another scripture as well, too. On the other side of things, people, especially some people in this country who have the loudest megaphone right now, this idea that it's always so austere. It's not. I always think about a scripture that says all things are permissible, but not all things are helpful. So it's always having that sort of wisdom and that balance and that discernment. That was something that I realized. I was like, okay, sis, you know, there are certain aspects of Billie Holiday's life that are problematic for me in my life that I'm like, okay, girl, this is a thing you need to make sure you paying attention to this. And then it was just indulging certain things that I felt like I'm not clear in my head because of it. So I don't know. Yeah, it was get definitely it. a combination of those I things. I get it. She was a lady
0: mm-hmm. of indulgence, that's for
1: sure. Yeah. The other thing I had to remember was it wasn't necessarily that for her it was bad, but there were certain things that Billie Holiday needed to do at that time as that woman fighting for what she was fighting for that were necessary. For me at this time, though, there are a lot of things that are still the same and that need to change. I don't need that in my life as it is. So it wasn't necessarily that certain things were bad. Of course, there were things that were tough on her, especially the mental illness. There's a lot of that in my family. So I can't indulge in certain ways. I think that there was things that I realized she needed that I don't need.
0: A lot of that is portrayed in the film. Is that? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of balance, how did you recover from a day on set? What was a typical shoot day like? And what did you do after each day wrapped? (laughs) Was there anything that you did to
1: bring yourself back to self? Prayer for me is a big thing. Devotion is going to always be something I try to do every morning, which I have not done this morning, but it was, yeah. (laughs) Prayer and devotion, which is prayer, meditation, reading the word, meditating on what I read, you know, understanding my role in the day and in my own life being present and in other people's life being present, how to honor God in those spaces. The other thing is I worked out. I'm a nighttime or a morning, <laughs> my co-star Trey would be like, these late night workouts of yours are crazy. I'm with you. I get it. <laughs> That's it. interesting. So sometimes we leave set at like midnight and we would go to the gym and work out. They let us have anytime fitness. That was the first time I discovered it in Montreal, but they let us have a temporary membership, which is amazing. Or sometimes we leave the set at four in the morning and <laughs> I feel so bad because my friend, she's my creative director, but she assisted me on set because she's my sister. And so she was like, it's four in the morning. We're going home, right? I was like, no, girl, we got to go to the gym. She's like, oh, my God. (laughs) I get it, though. Just trying to work it through, work it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get it. And also having to maintain certain things. Sometimes I had to build, you know, so certain times when they would put the prosthetics on me, I would... Still try to eat more with a lot of salt to make myself bloat and work out, try to be intentional with it. So yeah, I need that. I need that blood flow. I wasn't sleeping really, (laughs) but I was like, you know what, if I'm not going to be sleeping, at least I'm going to be working out. And interestingly enough, not sleeping sometimes really helped me to embody her character certain days on set. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. We talked about
0: your Oprah interview and another thing that I remember from that interview is that you explained to her that you felt aligned, right? Mm -hmm. Are you feeling aligned today? I Mm -hmm. wonder if it's an effort to feel aligned given that people are surely wanting and needing and asking a lot of you these days, how do you stay aligned?
1: I do feel aligned. I do. Well, Some aspects feel aligned. If I'm being frank, there's also some aspects of me that feel really out of whack right now. (laughs) I bet. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I'm trying to just work it out. But I think it is an effort. I realize when we're trying to do other things, we make an effort to do well. I think this idea that we can be aligned and be grounded or spiritually grounded for me, you know, for people who want that. This idea that, oh, well, it'll just fall into place. And I'm like, well, yeah, some things do, but the truth is when we want to know something or be better at something or grow, we have to research. Again, I referenced another scripture that says to seek and you shall find, right? Seek and all in these things will be added unto you. So I think that in life in general, seeking, whether it's understanding how to do an interview or how to be in a movie or whether it's how to take care of the kids, how to be a parent, how to be a friend, how to research and build a company or how to understand the cosmos. And to me, drawing closer to God, drawing closer to the Lord, the things you put your mind on are the things that your body sort of becomes, you know what yeah, I mean? And so things so- you focus on are the things that flourish, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that, those are the areas that you grow in. We know that in other aspects of life, but we don't always apply that to spiritual grounding or to mental health or to alignment even. So I think it's taking some time to build and to dive into those things and understand why I feel the way that I feel about certain things right now or how my perspective has changed. I think it takes work to be aligned and to be spiritually grounded. I want to move on to music in a second, but one of the other
0: things I had heard you talk about was a feeling of inadequacy. And what I want to say to you is, do you think that inadequacy sort of mindset is indicative of the plight and also the essence of many creatives It's kind of what drives creatives to keep pushing and challenging and in turn creating great work. Could you put that into perspective? Because that's what I was thinking about when I heard you talk about inadequacy. Yeah,
1: I love that. And probably, honestly, I mean, the truth of the matter is I feel like we've been taught to show up and to do great and to believe in yourself. But I think interestingly enough, the more authentic we are about you know what, I'm not doing great about believing in myself right now. And that doesn't mean we stop encouraging and putting up all the memes on Instagram that try to encourage people because you never know who runs across it and who needs to see that or hear that. I think what almost is more helpful is to acknowledge a friend of mine. She's another amazing artist. Her name is Esty. Her and I were working together. We were writing the other day. And it was funny. She was talking about how nervous she was to be in the writing session. I was talking about how nervous I was. And I think we both were surprised and not surprised. And then the producer we were working with was saying the same thing. I think it's why I try to be honest when I walk into a space. I am nervous. I'm uncomfortable because I think it creates a space where everyone can say, all right, you know what? I feel kind of uncomfortable too, or I want people to feel comfortable. And I think Yes, I think oftentimes that's something that we share. That's a commonality is that we all walk into spaces oftentimes motivating ourselves by saying, oh, we're good. We got this. But feeling that underlying sense of insecurity. I think we all walk around with maybe a healthy dose of insecurity. And so I think if we were all a little more honest about that, (laughs) we would create safer spaces to allow each other to fail before we fly which is not necessarily failing, it's just a step. I always talk about a space to feel free to fail is a really beautiful, healthy, creative place to be in. And also there's other factors. We are women. We have been pitted against each other for a long time. This idea that we have to compete and there's limited space for us is such a fallacy. Yeah, I think there's layers of that that are in there. <laughs> you know.
0: Speaking of musical collaborators, I love your song, Pearl Cadillac. What's it like working with Gary Clark Jr.?
1: Oh, I mean, Gary's amazing. We've been label mates for such a long time, and I'm such a fan of his music. We weren't physically in the studio together when we recorded the song, but I mean, you don't necessarily need to be to catch the spirit of a person. Gary's an incredibly talented person, an intentional person. From my interactions, I haven't interacted with him too much, so I won't pretend that I'm like, I know the depths of him. I don't. (laughs) But from my engagement with him, my interaction with him, he's an artist's artist, really just Pays attention to what artists are putting out, pays attention to what he's putting out. He's intuitive, intentional, so talented. I mean, it's amazing working with him. He's a giant, in my opinion. You were discovered
0: by Stevie Wonder's wife. That's correct. You were singing in a mall. Am I right about that?
1: I'm curious about this. When did you discover the gift of your voice Mm. as as a young girl? Pre-being introduced to Billie Holiday was probably around the age of six years old. And I was singing Whitney Houston. And which song? I think it was. I always say I want to dance with somebody. I believe that's what it was. But I'm also I can't imagine was, you singing that. I remember I will always love you. And what was oh. the other? One was it's all in it
0: me. I'm every woman.
1: Yeah, and then I will always love you if I stay. I would. Only... Yeah. Anyway, I sound terrible now, but it's fine. <laughs> great. You know, I just feel like I remember that was. Thing. And it wasn't really even an aha moment for my family. They were always used to me singing. And I guess kind of knew, you know, they were sort of more like, she better be able to sing. <laughs> you know, we love music in this family. But my sister just revealed to me there was a moment when she was, you know, a little bit older and she had moved to Monterey. And when she came back, she was like, wow, I didn't realize she could sing like that. Around six, I believe, is when I discovered. Like, I think I'm good at this. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, incredible.
0: Six years old. hmm. <laughs> You've been compared to many other
1: singers. Is it right or is it wrong to be compared? How do you feel about that? I understand an artist's perspective, right? Our artist's perspective of we are our own person. But I also understand people, though we are all different, no one is like us, right? Every single individual, past, present, or future. We might have similarities and doppelgangers or twins, but one is only one. But at the same time, it doesn't bother me. Maybe it should, but it really oh. does bother me also a lot of things come down to intention there are some people who do it in the industry or just trolling to be spiteful you can feel that and you know when they're doing that and that's sort of like all right I'm not giving them no energy but there's just some people who love certain artists and love you it's a correlation it's a, in their mind it, sometimes things remind us of certain things and so to me I understand the perspective of artists but I'm also I don't know it's never honestly it does not bother me at all I think it's just been compared to a bunch but I a
0: bunch. Your song Rise Up has come to be an anthem. What has been the proudest use of your song or feedback
1: from fans? I will say, God, they're similar and they're so different. So it's hard for me to say the proudest, you know, I think I'd probably say it being adopted by the Black Lives Matter movement. That was huge for me because I had no idea. I didn't know that that's what it would do or that's what it would be. Also, the fact that I'm able to be a part of any way uplifting my people to that degree even if it's just to give them strength to keep doing the amazing work that they're doing that's a blessing you know what I mean I know that that's a God thing and so I'm just grateful for that the other part of it is it did lead me to the Obamas which was amazing
0: <laughs> I mean
1: and them using that song so you know that's a blessing too the other part though is there's the macro those seem to be the macro and there's also the micro which is I've had multiple people tell me that their loved one was dying of cancer and it helped to get them through, or they were struggling with cancer or some other terminal illness or dealing with mental illness, you know, dealing with depression, dealing with anxiety. I've had multiple people on occasions tell me that they were literally popping pills. That was the last moment on earth. And Rise Up came on, or they heard Rise Up, and it stopped them from killing themselves. And you can't plan shit like that. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I know. Even going into the studio writing it, I was not motivated to be like, oh, let me write a song and do an anthem. I was like, I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? So it was really a prayer. All right, God, do something here. So the fact that people have been, I mean, bullet in the chamber, pills in hand, that's how drastic it was, or it helped them to cope with anxiety or depression or to heal, even I've had people tell me that in some ways, which seems unbelievable. When I think about what music was designed for, I believe it was made for healing. So, it's pretty amazing, honestly. It just reminds me, it's bigger than me. You know what I mean? I'm powerful. Vers- bigger than me, you feel me? The way a song
0: can be interpreted, right? Yeah, and- absolutely. When it comes to ideas, like you were talking about writing the song, how do you operate creatively? How do you get your best ideas,
1: Andra? And where do you record them? I got to tell you, I think my best ideas, again, people will probably be like, she always talk about prayer, but I am always talking about it. For me, not other people that can impose it, but I think it comes from the spirit. It comes from prayer. And I think it also comes from just people, you know, just living And I'm not always good at it, but being present, I think really helps people to be creative because you just perceive things in detail. And I think when you're creating, if you can create a really vivid picture that somebody can immerse themselves in, I think then you've done something that ties to people's spirit, that ties to their heart because it's special, you know, that's when people start to feel oh my God, this song is speaking my life or is singing to me or this movie or this whatever it may be. So it's huge for me. I mean, listen, two of the songs that are my favorite that I've written, you know, obviously Rise Up did amazing what it did. And also Tigress and Tweed for the movie. It's my favorite thing I've ever actually written. It's you know I mean? yeah. Thank you so much. But that came pouring out from a prayer. So I think there's something about making yourself available that being present and listening kind of spiritually and then also listening and perceiving people they were always like these new ways of inspiration but there's so many you just said it too though being specific
0: in your story right Mm, really telling the story yeah absolutely it's game changing right it's either mediocre material or it's yeah or
1: it's fantastic or terrible you know what I mean like but it's never really terrible it's just the stuff you got to get out of the way I think also you know. I always say the spirit and I say people, because I think those are where the things come from. You know, the people get inspiration. think that's a spiritual thing. And then they produce amazing work. So it's sort of like, you know, people will say it comes from art. It comes from, and it all comes from that as well, too. But that's produced by people, I think, via the spirit. I think if you pay attention to those things. You get some good original type stuff, you know.
0: What's up with music? What's on deck for you right now?
1: <laughs> my label's probably like yeah andrew what's on deck girl like <laughs> we did release phone dies which i'm so happy about just listening to it i love it thank you thank you so much you know i wanted it to just be fun to be a vibe and it's anderson pack too so he brings such a vibe like, yeah that big smile you be seeing you know what i mean when he before he's really like that like <laughs> bro is really that person so i think he brought really great energy to it and i had the lyric the line i'll let you feel these vibes until my phone dies i had it in my lyric dump in my phone for actually a couple years I just had always wanted to like say it you know what I mean because I just it's something about connectivity really I wanted to talk about the state of connection what the state of connection is in and our engagement with people are we really engaging are we in love with people or are we in love with how they respond to our presentation of ourselves to them you know what I mean and does it all go Yeah, it's not A judgment, it's just an observation and a question. So that's out now. And we have a new single that's dropping soon, very, very soon. So I'm excited about that. There's a Wale feature on it as well. He's just so authentic. To me, he's just one of the greatest of all time. And he's so honest. You know, he's one of those artists to me that I feel like writes whatever it is they really are, the space they're in in Hmm. the moment. Hmm. I'm excited about that as he's on the next single. So I'm excited about that. And then we'll release a date for the album soon. We're trying to get two projects out, actually.
0: Are you going to go on tour? Are you going to be performing anywhere?
1: Once they start opening it up. I need need to come
0: to to your next gig. Yes,
1: please. We are performing at the Newport Jazz Festival, so I'm really happy about that. Doing Austin City Limits, the TV show as well. So as a musician, those are staples for me. I always want to do those no matter where I'm at in my career, in my life. We're trying to put together a mini tour. We're working within the confines of COVID like everybody else is right now. So certain things we have to play by ear, some things we have to plan. So taking our time to put something together, that's special and immersive for people. That's special. Mm-hmm. Now that you've
0: established yourself as an award-winning actress, <laughs> <laughs> how do you balance music Andra with actor Andra? Is it difficult to have two camps in your music career and your acting career? How do you balance and manage You, you know, know
1: I, po- politics and all that? It's been a little challenging just because it was so new. It's all so yeah. new. So I think that's part of the challenge is understanding, oh wow, this is a whole different world. What do we do in this space? You know, how do we balance these two? But I think as we begin to get a handle on it, I think anytime you're embodying characters or making yourself vulnerable, creating music, it's not necessarily easy, but in the sense it feeds you because it's such a joy. I love, you know, I have people ask me the other day, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do outside of work? And I'm like, I do what I love for work. So it's hard to pinpoint other things. Hey, when people I ask love. me that question, Yeah. I'm like, I love what I do. I create art. I create pieces of work and bodies of works for a living. That's my hobby. That's a blessing. And I actually really pray that for everybody. The way I balance it to me, some of the things coincide, like right now we're working on finishing the record and getting that out. And I'm also trying to prep for something Lee and I are working on. Basically, I just have to know that at a certain point, one of those things has to be turned off in order for me to focus for now Maybe I'll be able to multitask later, but for now, I can only multitask to a certain degree. After a certain point, I have to say, I'm either giving all of myself to this movie role or I'm giving all of myself to this album. I don't want to give half of myself to both things. I'd rather let one thing wait and give all of myself to one thing and then give all of myself to the other thing, which I realize is, as my co-star. Tyler, Tyler James Williams told me the other day, he was like, you're a slow burn. I was like, I'm for sure a slow burn. (laughs) So it might slow the process down, but it's okay. I think that's, that's all right. You need all different types of people making art. That's right. Mild
0: personal question. Is it easier or harder to have a romantic relationship now? I read about Brad Pitt and I was just thinking. <laughs> the crazy part about this know.
1: Brad Pitt thing is the fact that I have to give it energy. Let me tell okay, you something. Okay, so let's
0: not give it energy I, to Andra.
1: I mean, I never met him. I'm going to give it energy by saying that I've never met him. Like that's that's the wildest thing to me. I was actually going to post it on my Instagram, but I was like, oh, I hate giving things that are not true. Yeah. Because I'm a spiritual person. So I feel like me and God know the truth. People that know me know the truth. I can appreciate people being like, oh, we want to talk about it. Sure, thanks. But I don't know. I'm not that kind of artist. You know what I mean? And I'm. Yeah. Is it harder or easier to have a romantic relationship now in your life? The truth is, yeah, sometimes it's challenging because you don't have the time and you're working. I mean, your head's. But again, it goes back to what I was talking about. You know, Once we're in the mode of, hey, we want to build a family or we want to get married. Some people, that's what they want to do then I realized I'm like, okay, I got to give energy and effort to that same way I would have to if I'm working or working on a certain project. It just takes more intention. It takes more planning. It takes understanding and patience. So but yeah, for sure. When you don't have time, also the truth of the matter is I just came through doing that movie was very, very different for me. And it's why I've been asked my co-stars, how do you shed certain things? How do you you know, because even going on to set, I was genuinely attracted to everyone I was supposed to be attracted oh to on that set. You know, what I mean? like really, no, I-, I gotta tell you, I think the way for me, prayer is a big thing, but also being honest. This is where my head is at, this is where my heart is, you know what I mean? And working through those things and knowing that right, this is not how I always want it to be, but you know, and having to work through those things and allow time and distance to do its thing. So yes, it's not easy, it's not an easy role, I think, for anybody to watch you know, their person go through. But I think when you communicate honestly and openly, that's what I think. I am not single. I am seeing somebody right now, but I will say, I think when you're honest and open about those things, it doesn't necessarily mean it will be a walk in the park, but I think it just at least makes things, you can deal with them and talk about them and it's doable, feasible. So I think that's one thing I just been practicing is talking about everything, everything that I feel. And being authentic, and in speaking of that, I am not dating Brad Pitt. I have never actually met him. We <laughs> no. didn't even. I know. I was know, like, so I really want to. My, my sister actually hit
0: me. Well, you're gonna be the first. So one to funny. Drop I'm it. like, I, just, I don't think he's her type, but what do I know? Like, whatever.
1: But like, he's a lot I of people's saying, type, though. I was saying, my sister was cracking me up because she was at the Oscars with me, and she hit me. She said, "Girl, we met Brad Pitt that day." I said, "I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> I I have to tell you the extent. I saw the man stand on stage and give a speech the way anybody else at home watching the Oscars did and that's it. So I was like, all right, whatever. I don't know whoever this may disappoint, but it's not a real thing. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> anyway, that's very evolved what you just explained, very evolved.
0: Uh, God is good and I was working things out. What have you learned most in these
1: past 5 big years, let's say? Mm, what have I learned most? Wow, and these, pa- yeah, you're right, guys. It's been a long time. What have I learned most? I think the big thing has been learned most, and the practiced thing is that fear is a liar. You know what I mean? And to a degree that I don't think we fully, fully understand. I think we can say it, but then we don't realize how much of fear. Like, even what we were just talking about, it's scary to talk about your feelings or to work out schedules, you know, even romantic, but it's also scary to. Be authentic, and I don't mean like, you know, scary to pursue things to go do things like Billy Holiday. But it's also just scary to be genuinely honest about our intentions, the deepest unctions, and the deepest motivators in us, what we're really feeling. Those th- this shit is really scary. That's the kind of scriptural thing too. Is just fear is a thief. You know what I mean? It really steals the best moments, the best years, or it attempts to. You know what I mean? So I think I've learned a lot about facing your fears, not just in action, but in intention and in thought and in feeling and really just saying, I'm not going to allow fear to put me in a box or for me to hide. Fear is a very deep nuanced thing that I think we don't realize how much of our life it is siphoning off, even in subtle ways. So I love that it's siphoning off. Yeah, it's subtle. It's subtle. You know what I mean? I think we just think of it as I'm terrified. I don't want to do what I said. No, but it's just little things that cause us to function slightly different because of fear. You know what I mean? And so those are things that I realize even in just talking to people or interactions with people. So I think to not allow fear to dictate how I live and I'm still gonna do it sometimes, but you know, to try to be conscious of it. Last question. I'm so curious about this. What makes you happy these days? Mm. You know, my niece and my nephew, I mean, again, I will always say God always makes me happy. My family makes me so, so, so happy my niece and my nephew are literal. They're, I think they're my literal joy. Like, I think God literally just placed them here to be like, here's your joy. Just make sure you tap in with them so you can have any kind of joy. But no, my niece and my nephew make me so happy. My young cousin, she's almost like my kid cousin. She lives here with me. I take care of her. She's 18. She graduates. She's an honor roll student. I'm so fucking proud of her. She's getting into oh, what a into beautiful
0: heaven. relationship.
1: That's yeah. And right. baby girl. You know what I mean? Like she's just stunning, which actually gives me anxiety sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs> she's really beautiful. She's flourishing. She's smart. She's sharp. My niece and my nephew, there's no other way to describe them except just, there might not be anything on the earth that makes me happier than seeing their faces. There is nothing. I think it's just God and my babies. <laughs> so that brings me so, so, so much joy. We always wrap with our lightning round of obsessed things that you're loving right now. What yeah. are your six obsessions? Okay, so clearly it's become a thing. Everybody knows I'm obviously obsessed with Uggs. Yes. <laughs> that's, yes. That's
0: not new. Like
1: I love always, the
0: Uggs like, that you rolled up in on our it show. makes
1: me laugh that people are like, it's a statement. I'm like, a statement of pure laziness. <laughs> like, a, I'm not a really... statement of comfort. Exactly. A statement of comfort. I love the big. Chunky platform furry slides. I'm loving those, you know, for summertime. And then so vice by vice, their candles, they're freaking incredible. It's actually Worry Vice. Worry yeah, makes Warby candles? Vice. Yeah, he does. Come he has a on. girl. When I tell you, here's the thing. What? You know, I would shout him out anyway because he's my brother, but actually my whole entire family has replaced all the candles in the house with his. They are so good. Oh my god. Like How did I not know about this? I No, he's got like bigger candles coming, room sprays. He is just a genius when it comes to scent. So I've learned a lot about scent from him. So anyway, needless to say, my family and friends have replaced all their candles with vice candles. <laughs> so that's no. something I'm obsessed with. The other thing I'm obsessed with is Watchman Knee books. He's a Chinese Christian philosopher, but really just a spiritual philosopher. The word religion is sort of antithetic to what I believe. But so Watchman Nee books, he's sort of a spiritual philosopher guide, and he was actually exiled from his nation and imprisoned. There's something about understanding combined wisdom from the East and the West. (laughs) Oftentimes I feel like people here don't pay attention to And I think people who speak wisdom from places of extreme duress, there's a lot we can learn from them. So his books are amazing. So the other thing is Mariba. I don't know if you've heard of her as an artist, but I'm obsessed with her. Mm -hmm. I love her Mm -hmm. so much. She's amazing. And the other thing is Waste Beads from Waste Beatery. I'm obsessed. I love Waste Beads. I collect them from a whole bunch of different types of brands. And my friend makes them. And I just love how she customizes and all that stuff. So I just love Waste Beads. Okay. So then... I was just put on to them the other day. Damn, I wish I could. Can I just like mix these two albums together? (laughs) Yeah, you're such a mixer. Actually, you know what? I'll mix them together. There is two things I was put on to the other day. The Lejadu sisters, Taiwo and Kehinde Lejadu, they're twins. They're from Nigeria. They were making music in really the 60s, 60s, 70s, and I guess the 80s as well, too. And their music is incredible. Look them up because I think you'd really, really love their music. And then the other is Worship Album as well, because I'm always, as Chris Paul says, what you listening to gospel? (laughs) So (laughs) Maverick City Music, I'm obsessed with their music right now. There's a game called, this, this is going to sound so childlike, but you have to is adopt. Is this a video game? Or are you sharing a video it's, game? It's not a video game. It's oh. actually a board game. I'm very vintage and classic with my taste here, but it's called Extinction. It's a strategic dinosaur board game. I feel like it sounds so funny, but I'm obsessed with this game. It's so, so, so much fun. And we had to adopt things, you know, during the pandemic, yeah. puzzles and shit like Hell that. Hell yeah. So. But yeah, anyway, that's my little
0: I'm this wishing a,
1: you a beautiful summer, Andrew Day love you
0: thank you so much thanks for being on the podcast thank you for your time
1: thank you so much appreciate y'all take care we'll speak soon definitely we will bye bless y'all bye